People, 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 good morning, good morning, good morning. You already know who it is. It's Arsenio Buck reporting live from Bangkok. Guys, thank you so much for tuning back into this episode of Loose Hose Invincibility Mask. Oh my god, yeah, I know. You guys are like, man, you're about an hour, hour and a half, probably two hours late. Man, yesterday I tried booking a flight on Melindo Air to go to Kuala Lumpur for this Spartan race. Yes, I decided to go with Kuala Lumpur for my race, and, you know, they just kept saying, oh, your credit card details aren't good, so I had to go on Travelocity this morning, and I officially booked, therefore, I am officially doing the Spartan race as a appetizer, as an appetizer for the big super race that's going to be happening here in Thailand, May, probably like May 19th, so, guys, uh, it's officially on. It's time to start training my ass off for these races. I am so excited, man, because, man, I'm going to get my sexy body back, boy. I'm a lean machine, baby. Anyways, guys, with that being said, huge shout out to Lisbon, Portugal. You guys, well, there's actually one particular user that just, like, listened to me like crazy. So, huge shout out to just Portugal in general and everyone who's tuning in around the world, Taiwan and South Korea. I see you guys. I see you guys. But anyways, man. With that being said, we got to get into this. We got to get into this. I'm going to tell you guys a story. I'm not going to spill all the beans because, of course, he's still my friend and whatnot, although I talk to him like probably twice a year. Um, But this particular person, boy, I got to I'm a boy. I'm going to tell you from the very beginning and I'm going to tell you how this vulnerability ended up happening. And uh, that invincible mask uh, no longer was invincible. Uh, for this particular individual who I deem to be a childhood friend. So by the name, let's just call him Billy. Now, Billy, I don't know how I met him, but I just remember, I remember when I first started meeting people, uh, probably 1996, guys, this is like 22 years ago, and they're Alex and his brother, Luis, um, Luis, or was, no, Luis was his name, and Joseph, here we go, Joseph and Luis, El Salvadorian, they were two of my friends that lived across the street. I remember they just moved in, and then they pulled the the cars out of the driveway to start playing basketball. And I was like, hey, can I play with you guys? They're like, sure. One just, like, waved me over. So, yeah, that's how I ultimately ended up uh, befriending these two individuals who liked my older brother more for whatever reason. But I think Billy was somewhere along in there. So, Billy, let's just say Billy lived in the corner house. Billy had, a, you know, a brother, a sister, a wonderful mother, and he had a father and whatnot. And Billy... Man, he was my childhood friend. He was everything to me. He was a wonderful uh, a wonderful guy from 96 all the way up to 99. And I remember, uh, you know, d- during those crazy times that I talked to you guys about uh, just yesterday, Billy was always there for me. I remember one time I was supposed to sleep at Billy's after my father dropped me off. Like, man, it's like 20 kilometers across town or like 12 miles across town. Dropped me off. I had a wonderful time with Billy. Then my dad came to pick me back up. I was like, Dad, I want to sleep over. He's like, I didn't drive all the way out here to, you know, to, to, for you to tell me that. No, you're going to have to come back home with me. And I cried like a baby. But anyways, I moved back into the same neighborhood as I did three years prior. But it was a little bit probably like, I guess you could say a mile further. And Billy, this guy, you know, Billy, basically his family had a lot of money. Um, his father, I didn't know what he did. I never questioned what he did, but his mother was basically a stay at home, uh, mother and whatnot. But like when it came to Christmas and stuff like that, they were loaded. I remember, um, boy, it was probably somewhere around July of 1999. We went to, we went camping in Mount Charleston, just outside of Las Vegas, like way Northwest. And we had a pretty good time, but his father, this guy was loaded with money. 
And so, man, when it came to Christmas, that 1999, man, Billy got every game with the Dream, you know, with the Dreamcast. He got this, he got that. And I wasn't jealous, but I was like, dude, I'm going to go over Billy's house because he has all these games and stuff like that. And I could borrow games from him. But then, of course, in 1999, my mother and I and, of course, my family, we moved into a townhome not too far away from where Billy lives, you know. Uh, And the best part about this was, you know, there were stairs and stuff like that, but we were poor, man. You know, we moved in there. My mom was on, you know, uh, you know, a program, whereas, you know, they basically give you a home based on your salary. And so when we first moved in, all we had was like a TV on like a a plastic stand and, you know, we had foam beds and stuff like that. So Billy and his family ended up getting new furniture. They donated some of the furniture they had to us and whatnot. And then Billy started becoming this type of invincible character. He started saying things that were not appropriate whatsoever. He started calling me poor. And so for the, for the entire, I want to say the entire year, but probably January of 2000 leading up to maybe, oh man, I'm going to have to say maybe about May of 2000 or whatnot, Billy would call me poor. He's like, oh, you're poor. And you know what? I never used to cuss back then. I mean, after all the stories I spilled yesterday, no, I never used to cuss. I never used to get in fights and whatnot, but, you know, me and Billy, you know, we've had our, you know, our differences and whatnot, but to call your own friend poor, you know what I mean? I was just angry as hell, and he started saying that because, of course, I think he knew at that given time that he was filthy rich for all the wrong reasons, and I remember later on that year, me and Billy, you know, we started building up our friendship again. We started becoming closer again. We started playing like all this Pokemon stuff. And, uh, you know, I would, you know, always be over his house. But I remember at one specific moment, I don't know when it was, but Billy was one of those people. Um, he had, a, he had a father and his father was a very nice guy when I met him. Uh, he had a mullet. It was really funny. Uh, he wore different, it, it was just. <laughs> He had a bullet like that, like that matters, but it was really funny. Um, a very interesting character. And I remember there was one night that he came home and I remember I heard a slam in the kitchen and he started yelling at his wife, Joe. And, you know, she started crying. I hurry up and ran home because this was at the same time where, you know, I was a cut. Well, actually, that was back in 97 before all that craziness happened between my mother and my father. But I was so used to seeing my mom and my father fight. I didn't want to see my best friend's parents fight either so then came 2001 and that's when billy wasn't that type of rich person anymore um he would hang around with me and another one of my childhood friends by the name of mark and his cousin samantha and this and that she actually listens to my podcast from time to time she lives in san diego and whatnot and billy his family didn't have all the money anymore like they used to And again, I never used to question anything because I was like, well, you know what? Money's money. And of course, that summer of 2001 leading up to the September 11th attacks, um, Billy went from being very rich a year before to being a little bit poor. And, you know, he used to come over my house and stuff like that, you know, such as me, you you know, having to go over his house and eat and doing this and that because, you know, friends are friends and whatnot. But I suddenly realized that a year prior, Billy used to call me poor, but a year later, he too became somewhat of a person or a figure that no longer had that money. So he no longer had bragging rights. 
And so I can't remember him much 2002, to be honest, because 2002, that was my first year of high school and whatnot. I do remember him during the summer months of, of course, 2002, because there was a big, 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 big problem uh, in regards to the the biggest case of racism I've ever experienced in my life. Um, I really don't want to talk about that. I think I've mentioned it, but yeah, it, it just insanity, pure insanity. Um, and I remember I went to his house after the entire ordeal. She's like, Arsenio, uh, tell me the entire story. And I did, but my other friend, Mark, he didn't, his parents didn't believe me. They thought I was just a black guy who did this and did that. Oh my God, guys, it's a crazy story. It's a crazy story. But that ended up, I ended up realizing at that specific moment that what racism was. I didn't know what it really, really was until someone literally lied right in front of my face to law enforcement saying, no, I saw you stealing video games. And then I said, you know what? I think uh, you should turn to the cameras, turn to the cameras, realize that lady was lying. Of course, her being uh, Caucasian. And yeah, I ended. But the thing is, my friend's parents, by the name of Mark, he didn't. Yeah, they didn't believe it. Believe me. So I had to win their trust over the course of probably God damn. A year and it was sad because i was like man mark and you know i was like mark you, i mean mark you were with me the entire time he's like i know but my parents don't believe that my parents aunts don't believe that i still know you know it's so funny his aunt you know i'm getting way off track here but it's a it's a good it's a fine ass story 16 years ago man his um his aunt by the name of dolores she's still on my facebook and man it took me almost like a year to, you know, prove to her, hey, you know what, I'm not that type of individual, because they're like, well, I don't want my nephew hanging around with someone who steals, I was like, guys, you already realized that the goddamn lady was lying, and obviously she's goddamn, she's racist as hell, for her to say right in front of a goddamn law enforcement, a goddamn police, saying, oh, you know what, uh, yeah, you stole video games, and I stood there and said, what, I said, cameras, please, cameras, and yeah, she was obviously lying, so, Oh my god, me and Billy, man, we went through everything, 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 and Billy ended up going on a hiatus back in 2004, his mother had to end up selling a house, and whatnot, and then finally we linked back up, his entire family added me on Facebook, I think it was 2009 or 2010, it had to be 2010, and I was like, Billy, man, how the hell is everything going, he's like, man, everything's great, we're living in the house now, this is happening, that's happening, you know, my sister's okay, my brother's okay, and next, you know, Billy, uh, he picked me up from college one day. Uh, while I was doing my dental assistant uh, little certificate for a year. Uh, and Billy picked me up, and I remember he took me over to his house, and he spilled all the beans about what the real story was. Um, and, of course, no one, you, you know, Billy's just a name. You know what I mean. But um, he ended up telling me that his father owned a business that was a humanity minus business. Let's just put it that. And that's how he accumulated so much money. And so I realized at that given moment, wow. And as I was actually reading this book and whatnot, I was like, wow, I think Billy actually had this invincibility mask. Of course, his father had it, but then Billy ended up obtaining it by saying, hey, you know what? You're poor at the beginning of 2000. I don't hold him accountable for that, man. That that boy was damn near nine years old. I remember me and him got in a fight, though. Uh, we were playing basketball that he was like, stop it. And then he swung at me. And I, like, backed up, and I grabbed his shirt, and I swung him around, and then he tried swinging at me, like, three more times, and I had to, like, throw his shirt and all this, and then his mom came out, and she's like, man, I'm gonna kick y'all's asses. And, yeah, my mom ended up calling me and uh, telling me I had to go home, and then me and Billy, you know what, we made him as He was like, hey, uh, how you doing, Arsenio? <laughs> 
to the fight, maybe 30 minutes after the fight. Oh, my God. But, man, I think that was the moment that all that invincibility mask came off right then and there because Billy realized he was no longer invincible because he was swinging at pure air uh, when we got in that little tussle. It wasn't even a fight. It was just a little tussle. Um, oh, my God. Those were good times. But, anyway, speaking in terms of this invincible mask, um, it was so amazing to just sit in this in Billy's backyard in 2010 and him say, so what happened over the years? I told him everything and everything about college and this and that and my mom, my brother, all this stuff. And then he spilled the beans. He's like, yeah, um, I got to tell you something. You know, my father, he, he had, he was distributing some things and that's why we had so much money. And I was just, my jaw just dropped. I was like, wow. But of course, he didn't, you know, we, I didn't need his apology or anything. From the 2000, man, we were kids back then. I don't need no apology. You saying you're poor. He wasn't talking about me. He was just, he wanted that type of alpha mask. He wanted that type of, he he was trying to put on an alpha mask at that time, saying, you know what, I have more money than, oh, a material mask, I guess you could say. Yeah, I have more money than you, therefore you are poorer than me, and therefore, uh, blah, 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 you know what I mean, and... I remember Mark, you know, my other friend, Mark, the Filipino, he's like, man, I think you should kick his ass, you know, at that time. <laughs> but I was a young, innocent child. Yeah, I told you guys about, you know, me stealing a dollar because I was hungry and my father not feeding me. So I had to steal candy from a store, got caught and then cried and then learned my lesson, all that stuff. And oh, man, but I was no longer a fighter. When I was 12 years old, I didn't even cuss. My mom would beat the hell out of me. It's a wonderful mother. But you know what? Being from, like, that type of black household, she's like, hey, you act up, I'm going to whip your ass. I'm like, hey, you know, fair enough, fair enough, mom. But it was such a beautiful moment that night looking at the stars, being in back of a backyard uh, in a very, very beautiful house, seeing his mother again, her giving me a big hug, saying, man, you are so handsome now. You are so great at this. And of course, they're all still on my Facebook, and I'm just so grateful for all of them. Him having a beautifully wonderful sister and a brother, I don't really speak to the brother, but, uh, yeah, his name, yeah, it doesn't really matter, but it's, it's interesting going back and seeing who wore the masks at, uh, those specific moments. Again, I thought I had my invincible mask stealing candy, and the thing is, I was stealing candy because I was hungry. When you're hungry, and you're sorry-ass father, or you're sorry-ass parents, you know, your parents suck, and they're not giving you food because they're doing drugs themselves, Man, there's nothing else to do, man. That was my childhood, and I'm not ashamed of it. I will throw another story in there just to just to give you guys a very, very good idea of the neighborhood I grew up in. 1997, we were going to move into a four-bedroom place, a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful place. Um, and it was connected to – so these were like townhomes also, and it was just over – the uh, – just over, I guess you could say, the train tracks. We call it the west side in Las Vegas. And honestly, back in 97, this place was out of a freaking movie, period. Like, I remember moving in one night, and I just saw, like, 40 different type, 40 black people. Okay, I'm going to call them black because they deserve to be called black. These were straight gangsters. They were having a party outside opposite from where we live. We call these the projects in America. And I remember moving in, but I was so young. And my father was like, hey, don't pay no mind and this and that. And they were gawking at my sister and saying things. And, yo, they had guns. You know what I mean? And, oh, it was ugly. Like, like the definition of a real movie, like all those movies, like the Training Day. I guess if you guys have ever seen Training Day with Denzel Washington and Ethan Hawke, 
that neighborhood where they went in and there was a guy, you know, with a, on a bicycle and he was driving, you know, riding his bike right upside the car and everything. That was exactly the neighborhood that we were going to move into. And I'm so thankful that my mother and my father, of course, them ended up, you, you know, almost killing each other and they ended up separating uh, forever, <sighs> probably a year later. But man, they made one of the best decisions. I have to be very, very honest. If I stayed in that neighborhood and went to a school in that neighborhood called James Madison, funny James Madison, and what a coincidence, um, that was going to be a predominantly African-American school, and I would have ended up making all the wrong decisions. Like all the, you know, I, I tell you guys about, you know, a couple of things in terms of the Strawberry Mansion School in Philadelphia, and it, you know, Philadelphia being called Philadelphia. And all these things that I've been through and et cetera, et cetera, all, you, you know what I mean? All the, what I see on TV, the Greensboro projects, Nas being born there, Wyclef John seeing dead kids on the roof and all this crazy stuff. That was the environment I was going to move into until my parents said, uh, f- let's take all this stuff out. Let's move back because this isn't even worth it. So they actually, that was the best decision my parents ever made. Now, of course, they were still fighting, and they ended up separating and whatnot, but that was a very, very scary situation, and that was at the same time that, you know, Billy was just an up-and-coming friend, Alex, well, Luis, and, you know, his real name is Luis, but we call him Alex, Luis and Joseph and all these people, oh, boy, what a goddamn story, what a story. And so it's really good to get a lot of this off my chest, and just reading, reading a book such as this book and saying, wow. So, oh my God, I could pinpoint and say, oh my God, he had the invincible mask. I had the invincible mask at one given moment. This is probably the mask that almost could have ended me up in a lot of different trouble um, if I would have just, you know, kept stealing. But the thing is, I had to steal to feed my own stomach. And it's because uh, one of my parents didn't want to feed me. So, boy, oh boy, oh boy, I remember my mom, she said uh, back in 99 when my father dropped us off at the doorstep of a house, she said, hey, um, your father, um, when I got you kids back, back in 1999, you guys were so skinny. I was like, what do you mean by that? She's like, you know, she said, you guys were really, really, really skinny. Like, you guys haven't been eating. And it's not that skinny that my aunt is saying because, you know, America is just such an obese country right now. 200 million fat or obese, morbidly obese, whatever you want to call it. Obese people, overweight, whatever you want to call it. No, she was saying that we were very, like, you know, like in the photos of, you know, some of those African countries. That's how skinny we were. And you know what? I was so skinny that, they would make fun of me um, saying that they could – you could actually – back then, you could see my heart beating. Like, no, no, just a little bump. You could see a part of my skin where my heart is, right? You could see it go – you could see it lift up a little bit. That was my goddamn heart. And I think that's because, you know, my metabolism and everything because I started eating with my mom and everything. And I was never really skinny or malnutritious, none of that crazy stuff. But, oh, boy, I was skinny back then. And it brings me to the last story. Uh, I know I'm jumping all over the place here. I'm throwing all kinds of things out there. But, man, I was talking to some of my students, and one of my students, you know, she's very skinny. And the other one, she ha- she's, you know, into nutrition and everything like that, and she is a beast. And, of course, the other student, she has basically conformed to society saying, you know what, skinny girls, the skinnier you are, the better. And I'm like, that's not good. I'm like, what do you eat for breakfast? Oh, I just eat a piece of bread and drink milk. I'm like, dude, this is – No. Guys, and I said, you know what, guys, let me show you. Let me show you how skinny I was. 
So I had to go back in my Facebook profile. I'm like, look at, look how skinny I was. They were like, oh my God. I was like, man, you can see my titties slacking down. You know what I mean? We were just joking and laughing and stuff like that. I used to be skinny, guys. Hell, I did. Well, I was skinny when I did that, uh, the Tough Mudder three years ago. Honestly, it wasn't until I started working out at this gym last September, the lab, lab, the lab Bangkok, whereas I ended up, hey, becoming a beast. And so now, of course, doing this two, three days a week, I'm like, dude, I and of course, from September all the way to December, my body transformed into the body I've always envisioned it to be. So it's good to actually look back and say, okay, invincibility mask. Okay, I was skinny back then. Now I'm becoming much more of a beast now and this and that. It's really good to look back on these uh, these events and pinpoint and say, wow. Boy, oh boy, oh boy, I had a wonderful question I need to answer from one of my, uh, as a matter of fact, I'll answer it here. You know what? Yeah, I could do a Q&A right here. Um, let's see what we got here. Okay, so this is a wonderful question from one of my proud listeners in Japan. She said, I just, I just read your blog today. Uh, your history is out of my imagination. She said, it sounds like a movie. She said, when I imagine you as a kid, my heart hurts. She said, you must have felt awkward when you confessed about the $1 to, you know, to your mother. If I was you, I might have not been able to do as you did. And she said, may I ask? She said, why you decided to stop being that person you were? Was it Mrs. Bass that said that? Uh, did she lead you into being better or did you notice something? And, of course, she said that. I'm kind of reading it off her because, you know, the English is a little bit different. Yeah. So, man, thank you so much uh, for giving me uh, this question. Uh, it means a lot. How can I uh, – was it Mrs. Bass? Absolutely. It was that day, 11 a.m. before lunchtime. And it was a grade day report. And I remember I had a D uh, in one class, uh, Mr. Gonzalez, uh, principles of science or science class, whatever, Second period class was uh, Mr. Pursuitage. I had an F in his class. And then she looked at mine and she gave me an F. So I had a DFF. And she's like, it looks like you're not doing well in any of your other classes. And at that specific moment, this teacher, this English teacher, English teacher, <laughs> funny, huh? Kind of a, uh, you know, a foreshadowing going on there. Um, this English teacher right there said she gave me an insight. And right then and there, I woke up. That was my awakening. I woke up and said, Arsenio, man, you were a phenomenal student. I remember back in fourth grade in Mr. Parton's class. He said, Arsenio, give me the multiples of four. And I'm actually getting goosebumps even thinking about it right now. So I, he said, stand up, give me the multiples of four. And I said, four, eight, 12, 16, 20, 24, 28, 32, 36, 40, 44, 48. I went and he was just and everyone in the class turned around and looked at me in awe. Their mouths drop. I'm talking like nine to, was I nine or 10 years old? I can't remember. Like nine to 10 years old. And I said it that quickly. I was like, 4, 8, 12, 16, 20, 24. Oh my God. And so I was, I knew, I knew I was a remarkable student back in the day. But because of everything, seeing what happened between my brother and my father, making the decisions I did, I went down a path that I wasn't supposed to go down. But in Mrs. Pilgrim's class, you know, that last fifth grade before going into, uh, you know, going into middle school, I had beautiful handwriting. I was an excellent writer, which is another foreshadowing today. 
And then at that specific moment, I realized whatever I'm doing right now, this thing right now, this isn't me. Who am I? And I started questioning myself. I said, who am I? Enough is enough, Arsenio. Become the person you always were. And that was it. That fourth uh, fourth period class, the biggest douchebag in the world, Mr. Rayner, hate that. Oh, anyways, I love him because he sent me to the dean's office all the time. I got in trouble all the damn time because his sorry ass. And that's because I just I said something to my friend. He's like, say something again. I'm sending you to the office. This guy had hair on one side of his head, hair on the other side of his head. He looked like the most. Oh, my God. Um. Anyways. <laughs> I'm laughing because I got you guys. If you guys saw a picture of this guy, anyways, guys, we always we've always had those teachers. But I went up to him that day. I said, "Mr. Rayner, I, I want to write a paper right now. I want to show you how good I am at writing. I'm gonna do well right now." And he just stayed quiet. And my class went from like a F in there to like a B in the matter of probably one month or two months. Because I remember we get grade day reports around March, and then the final grades come out, of course, in June. But by the time May came around, my grade was fantastic. I still wish I had my grades, by the way. Um, yeah, pretty amazing, huh? Um, I noticed that I just wasn't – I was the wrong person. I was the person I didn't want to become, and a lot of people, they're not able to catch these things, especially at an early age. But I had my awakening. I had that Satori moment, that Kensho moment, whatever you want to call it, that moment where I was like – it was just a – it was a snap, and I said, okay, I'm back. And from there on out, man, I was the I was the student I was always supposed to be. And and it's not in terms of academics and all that. Oh, yeah, I'm going to go to university. Not, none of that BS. I was the person I've always wanted to become at that specific moment. OK, now, of course, I still didn't know what my purpose was in life, man. I was young and they didn't have any of these damn movies out. The secret didn't come out for another six years, et cetera, et cetera. You know what I mean? So. But it was that moment I was like, you know what, if I don't get my academics together, I know I'm suffering because the people I'm hanging out with. That's why I mentioned Sergio in my podcast yesterday. That's why I mentioned a couple of other people yesterday in my podcast, because these were the nasty people that I was hanging around with, period. So that was the moment. So, oh, my God, that was another long podcast Q&A talking about something skinny health malnutrition oh my god invincibility my friend guys i summed it all up now you guys are probably going to be able to think back and say was i wearing this mask back in the day or am i wearing it now do i feel invincible see a lot of people right now a lot of men right now they're cheating they're cheating on their uh on their loved ones they're doing things that they think they're not going to get caught for and it's time for you to start taking charge and take back your life because if you don't it could be too late it could be way too late by the time it's all said and done so with that being said guys i'm going to be getting into the ending of this specific uh, this specific chapter next weekend tomorrow of course gary v gary v on tuesday napoleon hill on wednesday and thursday and i got a podcast interview coming up on friday you guys are gonna love that send your questions in uh i'm gonna give you guys a nice description of who this person is so please be ready for that please get ready for that got a lot of things bio quirk oh my god that's a very compelling one that one's coming up uh the next friday and i just messaged about six people on instagram to see if i could get them on in terms of coaches and people who do mantras and uh, meditation and stuff like that so we'll see how that goes but 
Guys, as always, thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Arsenio Buck Show. As always, have a wonderful morning, afternoon, and evening. As always, this is your host, Over and Over.